now and for the last time probably for a little while, that floor is yours. just going to do a little bit of reshuffling, so take a drink while I'm reshuffling CBS. It'll only take 20 seconds. <laughs> now, Anas, thank you for the Max Bjerg Mose story. Oh, here he is. This is Max Beermosen. Bloated, arrogant, and I'll come back to that. But first of all, I would like to say that some of you know that Winston Churchill was actually made an honorary doctor at University of Copenhagen in 1952 because Denmark owed a lot of gratitude to the stamina of the British war effort in being an independent country that developed one of the world's most renowned democracies. And he got the Nova, no, he got the uh, honorary doctor at University of Copenhagen for his sixth volume, Second World War which was written, and I've stated that in a newspaper interview recently, during the war. It was not written after the war, it was written during the war. <coughs> However, he finished the admission process of this on reductive with the following words. No life person should be punished as heavily to listen to all those praises before long after you did. <laughs> and secondly, I would like to say, I remember a predecessor in a rector position who said, after so many pra praises, I will change my mind and I'll stay on for another two years. <laughs> but they were like, that is not possible. So, first of all, I would like to say welcome to you. And I would like to quite deeply and honestly ask the organization to welcome you the best way one can welcome a new guy coming in, because the first year is extremely important. Uh, I will do my best. I will not walk in and out of your office. And I will do my best to keep out of your hair and your pockets. But I wish you the best of luck, and I wish CBS the best of luck in the combination of the two of you. Let's give a hand. And could someone bring me a glass, because now we need some toast. We've had too few, uh, maybe two glasses. I have a very short agenda. First of all, the top item is CBS, the second item is the country we live in, Denmark, and the last and shortest item is myself, and we will come back to Max Bjergmose when we get to myself. Yes, I think it's time we have a score. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, 
I'm not a big alcoholic like Churchill was, but I like a little toast of red wine. So stop to CBS. <laughs> At the moment, I'm actually in the evenings not reading documents from Academic Council or HOSU. I'm cleaning out my office. And I have in one of my shelves a bunch of papers, 15 centimeters tall, that has followed me for 20 years. And it's a shelf that I only revealed a few days ago to other members of the staff at the president's um, office or around it because it's a shelf with mails and letters that I received and I call it the out of the ordinary mails and actually I've spent more time reading those than cleaning up in the office <laughs> now these mails consist of a sample of the thousands and thousands and thousands of mails I've received over the last 20 years and they are characterized by the following words, booming, charming, encouraging, complimentary, courageous, suspicious, challenging, scolding, impertinent, and outright offensive. <laughs> and all the categories are there. And I'm actually uh, contemplating to publish them all. <laughs> So those of you that can recognize that you're in one of those categories, be aware. <laughs> now, uh, at a day like this, you get a lot of individual focus. An institution is not run by an individual. Maybe the individual takes some initiatives and some chances, but it's all the people in the institution that do the work, and sometimes leadership and the mind of the institution's body of workers actually follow suit and you achieve great things. But don't be mistaken, leaders do not do a lot of things, it's the staff of the institution that does it. So first of all, I would like, and I mean this, to thank the people that challenged me in these mails. Some of them are outright impertinent, but they always made me reflect. And there's no doubt that that is the core value of a democracy. You are shaken out of your common way of thinking, and it always leads to better solutions. And that is the whole backbone of freedom of speech, and why we have a progressive and constantly improving democracy. I will come back to that. Secondly, I would like to thank the people that are not recognized very heavily in everyday life in a university. The burden of administration is sometimes called the bureaucracy. Those are the people that actually get this machine working in daily life. And we very seldom praise them. We praise the academics, the doctorate degrees, the professor appointments, the PhDs, the achievements, and there's a heck of a lot of thousands of people actually making it possible. I would like to bring a toast to all of those people that sometimes are invisible and not recognized, and I think I would like to recognize how they make this institution function and say thank you. And I would ask all of us to bring a toast and lift your glass and maybe empty it 
halfway <laughs> and say cheers to all of those people. Scott for me at least. Then I would like to thank Dia. Dia is the short word for the management team for all the hours, no actually days, weeks, months, and I've counted them, I'll come back to that, that we spent together. In joint efforts, I don't think we've ever made decisions where we were very, very uh, in disaccord. We discuss things and then we make a decision. Maybe you will uh, counteract me later on, but uh, that's my view of it at least. I would also like to thank the departments and the department heads. And I would like to hear state, uh, because there's still people from the ministry here, the most important academic leadership in a university is delivered by department heads. And in my view, they're not recognized for that role. And they should be highly recognized because they are the guardians of quality, academic quality, of recruitment, of scouting, of promoting women in science. And it's actually not a highly recognized job in the university sector. So I would like to thank them and I have a little story from one of our annual visits to one department. Uh, DIA visits all departments once a year at a regular basis. And at this department, the department head invited us and said, oh, it is so nice to have you here for lunch. And I responded, I'm not quite sure that I'm able to accommodate the somewhat cannibalistic view of this department head. <laughs> because having you for lunch is not actually what I was meeting that department for. Uh, they changed their wording next time we visited the department. It is true that I have always felt and me meant that the students are the main constituents, at least also in numbers. And therefore, it's also correct, I would like to say to the CBS students, that the first jersey I got was actually from KBL students, but it was also red. And when, I, when it was announced that I was going to take over the presidency here at CBS, the CBS student union came physically to my past office and handed me over four new red jerseys, and that is why. And I state that deliberately, they do get washed in between. <laughs> and then I do have four jerseys and not only one. Thank you. Thank you to the researchers that do the research and teaching at CBS and are actually the DNA of this institution. The reason that you stated on us that we have increased tremendously in international reputation comes from their work and it's actually well warranted, that reputation. I would also specifically like to thank our international staff for keeping their heads cool during what I would call challenging times. And I would here like to restate that you have all the support of this institution that you need. And if we should ever run into a similar situation, that will also be the case. And I'm now predicting how you will handle a case like that, Nicolite, but I've also said how you'll handle it. <laughs> Thank you to the committees. Very often committees are quarrelsome. Uh, the committees and the spirit of the committees in CBS have always been how can we do things better together. And I've never experienced a conflict that didn't end up with a better solution. 
Uh, that doesn't mean that they're not critical in the General Consultation Committee, HOSU. We've had some very tough decisions to make there regarding savings, for example, and academic council. But we've always had a positive and forthgoing spirit. And I know this is not the case in every single university, so I praise this institution for this quality. I would also like to thank the board. Uh, I've always actually been in favor of having a board, although I was actually the last elected vice-chancellor uh, in the past system, because I thought we needed more cross-fertilization from the outside world, and I think all those uh, positive things, they have actually happened. The board questions, they spar with us, they set the direction, and they sometimes also, but sometimes, come up with brilliant inspiration, but not every meeting. And finally, thank you to the business community for showing such support to this institution of all Danish universities, the business school should be the institution that had that collaboration. I know the technical university is equally well regarded, but it's a massive symbolic support to have the support of the labor market. In the course of what I've just talked about, I've had 66 international travels and you shouldn't brag about that, flown around the globe six and a half times, had 176 deal meetings, believe it, uh, I've had more than you, any of you have had, 43 HOSU meetings, 49 academic council meetings, and 39 board meetings. Uh, I hope they were all efficient meetings, I can't remember them all. <laughs> Secondly, I would like to say a few words about Denmark. But let me start with this guy here. Universities Denmark has, a or has introduced a tradition that when you leave as a rector, you get a symbolic memo or memento. And Jesper, you introduced the figures from Tintin. I don't know where it comes from, but I'm a great admirer. I've read all the cartoons and my son, our son, I think it's our son, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it at home. <laughs> also reads Tintin. And here comes the first Churchill quotation. Some of you know that Churchill was actually the inventor of the tank under World War I. He invented the concept of the tank. And before the World War II came, it was innovated and heavily improved. And early in World War II, it proved to be quite crucial in the battles, and the military justifiably called it the Churchill tank. It was named after Churchill. And it was actually meant as an honor to Churchill. But Churchill came with this interpretation of the choice of name for the tank. He said the tank was heavy, it was clumsy, it was inefficient, it had an enormous consumption of fluid, and above all, it was unreliable, and therefore, of course, in the end, the military had to choose the name the Churchill Tank. <laughs> now, in this respect, I feel a true fellowship with Mr. Churchill, because Max Bjergmose is regarded as unreliable, heavy-handed, a cheap salesman, and above all, a brag. So in a Churchillian way, I feel very honored to have become the Max Bjergmose of the Danish Reckless Conference. And I would like especially to bring a score to Churchill and Max Beer <laughs>
But how the devil are you going to choose the next figure when the next writer leaves? Good luck to that, Jesper. Finally, I would like to state what I would call my gratitude to being so lucky to have been born by parents that finally ended up in Denmark into a country that has among many, many countries some characteristics that are unparalleled. For example, a unique democracy that in my view means that we can give people the opportunity of a full life, of opportunities and rewarding challenges. There are very, very few countries in the world that can shape and design their own future. This country at least has the potential to shape and decide and develop our own future with the goals we set ourselves and not the goals set by big countries, big uh, unions or big wars. But it is exactly the perseverance and the preservance of those qualities that I think universities should be heavily engaged in because they are not to be taken for granted. And I would not have said this 10 years ago. So part of the reason I say it today is that I think universities should have a much more offensive attitude and role in society. We should work much more smoothly to gain, uh, together with our owners. And I don't, and pardon me, uh, only I don't think the ministry are owners, I think parliament are owners. And that is actually why I visit all the political spokesmen, not just the people in power, because you never know in six months it may be the other people in power. But you, of course, are the voice of the choices of parliament. And I have one wish, but also a very heavily felt wish, and that is that we as universities and you as ministries and the politicians can optimize this combination much, much more than we are at the moment. We have been squabbling about small issues now and again. I will not give any examples, but I think for the case and sake of preserving and deciding the destiny of this country, we need to have a better collaboration. And I think I know that you think the same. This doesn't come by itself, it has to be designed. It has to be designed by the parties involved. Not everyone in the sector should be involved initially, so I, I urge that you have that discussion, not for the sake of increased funding for universities, but for the sake of determining our own future for this country. And I haven't uh, written these words for today, because this has been my opinion for years, and now I have the option to do it without any self-interest. So please, do what's necessary for Denmark, because we inherited a fantastic legacy, and we should give that on to the next generation. And I think that is one of the most important roles of universities. Finally, and don't over-exaggerate the interpretation of my final comments here, not the ones I just stated, but the ones coming, Freedom of speech is an enormous quality of our countries, not just Denmark, but the Nordic countries and the European countries. It came out of revolutions, it came out of great unsettlement over hundreds of years in the development of Europe, 
and it had some very tragic effects in some times and one of the tragic effects I'm citing here it's a heavy, heavy defense of the freedom to speech but also the duty to speak up and it's by the German priest Martin Niemöller and I think a lot of you know it but it's quite touching and I'm again saying don't overinterpret that this is the mood I'm in but this may happen Firstly, they came for the socialist, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionist, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak. And that is not the destiny that we're looking into, but we must be aware that some political developments are going that way and we have to be able to combat it. So ladies and gentlemen, this is my last comment and maybe you can hear that I have a deep, deep gratitude to this country and the way it was developed and I think we should preserve it with all the guts, all the knowledge and all the fight that we have in our blood. So thank you for giving the, me the fantastic opportunity of leading this institution and thank you for all the people that's made it possible.